Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, where once a week we get together and explore the many ways that weather winds and weaves, works, pokes, prods, whatever it is, itself into our everyday lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. Yes, Mark Jelinek. For some reason, apparently some of you have not heard me say that before. So I said it twice, just in case you were wondering. And this week we're going to be talking about, I thought I wasn't supposed to get that weather. But before I jump into that, let me take a moment as always to stop and say thank you to the many of you who support the podcast, whether it's via Patreon or PayPal, helping us kind of keep our expenses in check, or those of you who tell others about the podcast who are kind enough to send thank yous or show ideas, whatever it is. I just want to take a moment, as always, and say thank you. It is appreciated. Very much so. Well, unless you are, like, I don't know, living under some sort of winter blanket somewhere and didn't get a chance to download the last episode or the last few, I mean, knowing that I was had been talking about the survey so much, you probably know what filled my weather week. AMS 2018. American Meteorological Society's annual meeting. It's in Austin, Texas. And it was an excellent opportunity to get together, see people I hadn't seen in a while, to see lots of new and interesting thoughts and ideas entering the weather enterprise, see some research, see some maybe questions that are unanswered, which is the part I really like. You know, I like going to these conferences and as we talked about conferring last week, right? And walking away probably with more questions than answers or more baseline starting points that aren't necessarily reaching the part of meteorology I see. So things in the research area that we're getting a better grasp on and trying to think about how can we apply that? How can we make that useful to folks like you so that your weather impacts are more enjoyable as opposed to less enjoyable, if you will. But of course, in all this, as you also are aware, I had an opportunity to do both a presentation and a poster and had not done the poster thing before. That was a little little different. And it's, again, it's a little interesting setup that's kind of, I don't know, I found it enjoyable, even though preparing the poster is more effort in a lot of ways than a presentation. And that the presentation, you know, doing this podcast as an example, I'm a little more comfortable, I guess, with, you know, having an outline and moving forward and talking about things. Whereas a poster, you kind of have to put so many of your thoughts down. So that someone, like, let's say you're talking to somebody about the poster and someone else is walking by. They can at least get an idea if you don't have time to talk to them individually as well. So it takes a little different twist. But the sessions there are also longer, so you actually get to have more dialogue and more conversation. And during that dialogue and conversation, I had the pleasure of meeting some of my fellow weather-related podcasters, both Castle and Men from Weather Hype and Dakota from the Weather Junkies. And I think you've heard me mention most of them before, at least their podcast, if not my name, were kind enough to stop by. A couple of them also stopped into the presentation as well. So it was good to meet them. And again, there'll be a link in the show notes. If You know, 
we discussed in the survey that one of the things that was interesting to me is many of the listeners subscribe to only one weather-themed or weather-related podcast. And I understand that. You know, we've all got so many hours in the week or the day, and maybe we want to hit a bunch of topics. But if you haven't tried either one of their podcasts before, consider giving a listen, right? I think, you know, many of you who listen to my podcast might find elements of that you like. So it never hurts to try, whether you become a regular subscriber or not. See what they're doing. Hear what they're up to. I think actually most of, well, I shouldn't say most of, some of their upcoming episodes will actually touch on some of the things that we saw at AMS, right? Because they hit, like the guys at WeatherHype are very big on the, the communication side of things, so they'll hit that. And the Weather Junkies do a podcast every week, so I'm guessing that Dakota and Tyler, his, his co-host, will get into some of those topics as well. But I'm not going to bore you to death with my take on the AMS, because as I told them, I've got the old curmudgeon take. I got a different take than younger people looking at the same sort of pieces of information. Instead, instead, we're going to move on to a topic that's sort of a, I don't know if you will, a sister topic to one we did in the middle of 2017. Actually, if you go back and look, I think the episode is, I want to say June 16th, but definitely in June of, of 2017, we did an episode entitled... Why don't I get that weather? You know, and the, and the premise was fundamentally about locations and why they may not be as prone to getting things like uh, thunderstorms, if you will. So I thought I'd do a flip side of that because I also, speaking of podcasters, had the opportunity a few months back, as you know, to be on the Ritual Misery podcast. And Kent, one of the hosts, brought up this scenario that kind of intrigued me. And I guess the weather event surprised him. So it was more of, I thought I wasn't supposed to get that weather, if you will. But we're going to talk about that. Is, is that really what's going on here? But let's set the stage for his situation in particular. And we're going to talk about a couple of more cases as well. So imagine here you are. Somebody, he at the time was in the U.S. military. On a base in Japan. Now, the base he was at, for those that aren't familiar with Japan, you know, it's a it's a chain of islands. People tend to think of a couple of the bigger islands being in the kind of more of the North Pacific, but the chain of islands does extend further south. A couple of smaller islands, and one of them is Okinawa. So here he is, spring day, smaller island, but you know he's stationed at a, I think it's it's actually an Air Force base there. Doing his thing, early April 2002, and the next thing you know, reports of tornadoes. And it was a tornado that was strong enough to flip cars. So maybe not something that we see in the Midwest U.S. or some other places that get these big, huge Category 5, EF5 tornadoes. But still pretty powerful enough to move things around in more than a subtle way. And he was taken aback by that. He was like, I, I had, you know... I had no idea that I would ever be dealing with tornadoes at lo location. So the real question becomes is, is that really unusual or not? And you can look to other examples as well. I had someone recently tell me a story about how they had been in Hawaii again. 
chain of islands in the middle of the Pacific. People think about going there on beach vacations. And the next thing they know, they're seeing an advertisement for the ability to go snow skiing or snowboarding. They had no idea, right? I didn't know I could do that in Hawaii. Now, the reality is, it's not really easy to do in Hawaii, but it does happen. And then I think the last thing that caught my mind with with these sort of stories recently wasn't one that I had heard about from somebody else, but it caught headlines again this past couple of weeks about a cruise ship, you know, where people are throwing up and water is coming in all different places. And, you know, you can see videos part of the day and age in which we live, right? Here you are on YouTube, and the next thing you know, you got people showing videos of essentially their cabin window being underwater. I mean, that's got to be a little freaky, right? But the real question becomes, I think, with all of these cases, is this truly weather that was never supposed to happen? Or is there something else going on? Now, when I was talking with Kent, it was kind of a, an interesting exchange. We had talked about it, again, briefly when I was on and doing the podcast. And, you know, we had some kind of before and after conversations, and it came up during that time. And that was the premise for doing this episode. So I reached out to him in the past couple of weeks, and I said, hey, remind me what it was about that tornado. And the reason I had to be reminded is when I started looking for tornadoes on Okinawa, or in Japan in general, I was getting these huge lists. <laughs> and so I was like, hmm, something doesn't seem quite right here. And funnily, when he responded to me, he goes, okay, here's the date. But in looking for the one that I was trying to talk about, I've come to realize that tornadoes aren't that unusual at all. Now, again, this is a fairly small island. And depending on which account you read, it experiences tens of, of, well, maybe not tens, but above ten, tornadoes each year. Now, the reality is the vast majority are water spouts, and I think we've even talked about that a little bit before. That's a different kind of setup than what you think of as these major convectively driven types of tornadoes. Some of the mechanics are a little different. Usually water spouts are a much weaker thing, and in that sense, they're not even considered true tornadoes. But nonetheless... Okinawa, on average, does have a couple of tornadoes every year. Now, what I also found out, and this did not surprise me at all, is a great many of them come from rain and convective behavior associated with tropical cyclones. And having worked with somebody that researched in that area, I know that those some, some storms are more conducive to that than others, but hurricanes in these bands of convective activity that take place around a tropical cyclone have the capability in many cases to spin up tornadoes. Now this was not one of those cases, right? But what we got back to is maybe it's not that unusual. And his invest his own investigations found that out. However, as somebody not from that island and there as even though he was there for a while as a visitor to that island if you will, he was thrown off on what might be not as unusual for someone who'd lived there a long period of time. So that's when we start to get in what's really going on with these cases. Is it that they're truly unusual, right? Is it truly, I thought I wasn't supposed to get that weather? Or is it more just 
context, right? Is it just a frame of reference? And clearly what we found out in his case is, while they may not be common, for somebody who had lived on Okinawa for many years, they would probably say, oh yeah, we've had a few. We don't get them often. Maybe they're not as strong. And maybe they tend to happen with tropical cyclones or whatever it is. But that said, they do happen, right? So it becomes more of a frame of reference of the occurrence and how often they happen. So there's always this surprise element, and I think that's what he dealt with is, one, you're caught off guard. You, you, you don't expect it. And I think someone who, again, maybe would visit Hawaii, whether it's you see the advertisement for going skiing or see snow on the top of one of the big island's peaks. I mean, these, these things are in excess of 10,000 feet. It shouldn't surprise people, in theory, that think about weather. And it wouldn't surprise me to hear that there's snow on top of those islands. But I, again, you go to this island, and you're on the beach, getting sun. It's nice and warm. The last thing you're thinking about is that on the top of that big peak over there, and keep in mind, Hawaii has a lot of observatories on, particularly one of the big peaks that, that tends to get snow. Leads you one to believe that maybe there's something a little different about that peak. And there is. It's, it's how high up there it is and that the snow gets up there. Now, I've seen some of the pictures from people skiing on those island, or on that, that peak, and, you know, yeah, you can, right? But it ain't exactly like skiing at a ski resort. So you kind of have to also put things in perspective. So you get past the surprise thing, and then you go, okay, is it really skiing, or is it really maybe the skiing that I would be familiar with or know if I, you know, skied in parts of Europe or, you know, Western U.S. where you've got these big mountains and lots of feet of fluffy snow. No, that's not regularly what's going on in these places. But it's still kind of cool to think about, right? I mean, you know me. I'm one if there's snow anywhere. It's a good thing. So I would think that would be a really cool thing to do. And so maybe when I plan my Hawaiian vacation, I'll make a point of doing that. Now, this last one that I brought up, I brought up for a specific reason because there's also the chance of, I thought I wasn't supposed to get that weather, and there being what I fundamentally consider bad decisions that have led to it. Now, anybody's going to take a cruise. I mean, you know, even people that are going to maybe places that aren't tropical, we think of, of these cruises as being, you know, they're going to the islands in the Caribbean or, you know, and, and again, many years I lived in Chile, there are or cruises all along Chile, and they kind of like in places in Alaska as well, they go into, or even maybe in Europe, they go to these fjords where, you know, there's glaciers and other things as well. So it's not necessarily always about warm weather, but the last thing you're expecting on one of these ships is to be stuck in a weather situation that's tossing and turning the boat so much that you're throwing up or that people are throwing up and getting sick and there's all sorts of damages to these ships. And I, and I think that's the telling story. I think if you're on a cruise ship and there's water coming in the elevator, that someone didn't quite think that through very well. And 20 years ago, we may, may have never heard these stories. But in this age in which we live in, which is so much easier to share this information, and it becomes a bigger story because of that, right? I'm not saying whether it should or shouldn't, 
But the reality is it's a single cruise ship. There's tons of cruise ships each week. And I was on a plane last night, just last night. And we got on that plane. And the pilot, it's unusual when I hear a pilot before we're taking off telling us about how bad the turbulence might be, that they flew out actually to the place that we were going back to. They flew through it already, been through that weather. And for the first half of the flight, it was going to be bumpy, pretty bumpy. And I don't usually like those announcements because that puts me in the level of turbulence that I'm quite uncomfortable with. And we were even talking about it before we got on the plane about how kind of the wind was picking up and literally light posts at the airport were swaying. I mean, it was pretty strong. And we got up in this flight, and I even tweeted about it in the flight. I was like, I put on a comedy, something that could distract me. I didn't want to focus on what might happen. And then the next thing you know, the first hour of the flight, so they didn't do, you know, no, no drink carts or anything. Everybody was supposed to stay in their seats. We barely had any turbulence, hardly any at all. And then you look at the map and you realize, oh, we went around the weather, or at least the problematic weather. It added about 20 minutes to the flight. Yes, I got home later. And yes, I would have liked to got home earlier. But I can tell you that I know my body much appreciated the fact that it didn't have to deal with that much turbulence. So they avoided it and they took the time to avoid it. Why these cruise ships, again, these multiple stories over the past few years, haven't done that. And you might be able to argue that the forecasts weren't good enough. I, mm, I'm struggling with that because from what I've seen retrospectively looking at a couple of these high-profile cases I've seen, the cruise ship should have been never, nowhere near where they were. Now, now here's the flip side, right? Cruise ship full of hundreds of people. It's got a schedule to keep. And I can tell you there's always going to be this balance between What's a delay going to mean in terms of the next cruise going out and how this group of people is angry because they didn't get back to their port in time? So there's always that consideration. Right? Do we need to adjust the schedule? Do we need to change things up just because we got this storm? Or are you going to try to figure out where you can be? And yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be a cushy ride, but, but maybe in the scheme of things, it's what you got to do to get back to port. Now, I don't know cruise ships well enough to say whether they were put in danger, but I will tell you some of the videos I've seen, uh, I don't know that I would you know, feel comfortable. And this is the challenge we run into all the time, right? It's like turbulence in airplanes. you got to trust that pilot knows what they were doing. I was having that conversation with somebody in advance, but that's, that's hard for me because I like being in control. So I have a hard time putting my hands in my life in someone else's hands, if you will, excuse me. So that's a bit tricky for me. And I think it's part of the challenge I have with turbulence in general is I feel helpless to do anything about it. And I have to imagine if I was on that cruise ship, I'd feel the same way. And I might be fearful for my safety. Now, some of the videos I've seen, people thought it was cute and funny. And I think as long as you're not yakking and as long as you feel the cruise ship's not going anywhere, that you're going to be okay. But we do hear reports, right? of ships that go down in these types of dangerous storms, whether it's a wintertime storm or whether it's a tropical, you know, summertime storm, whatever it is. They can be dangerous situations. And these cruise ships are not nimble. So I would think they would want to avoid those things. Why they didn't in this case, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't think in any of these cases we've seen something that I would call truly unusual. 
I think they're not the norm. They're not everyday occurrences. But they're certainly, certainly, when you take the perspective, how much you know about where they are, there's more to it than that, right? But that's just three examples. I, You know, I'd really hope that maybe this could become a mini topic, kind of like the why I don't get that weather. And I really would like to explore individual cases. So if you have one, if you've had an experience that you ever, you've been somewhere and you wondered why you didn't experience certain times of weather, or the flip side of that, you wondered why it happened, and you've really not had the time to investigate it, don't worry about it. Send it my way. It's real easy, right? What is it about the weather at gmail.com? Simple email, pop it off, give it to me. I'll be glad to look at it. Or if you prefer, what is it about the weather.com slash contact? Either method gets to me. They both come to the same place, really. Actually, they go to the same email address in the end. And I'll probably follow up with you and ask you a little more details, and we'll see if we can't get to the bottom of it. But those are the, you know, those investigations are fun, right? Because they give us a chance to talk about weather, but usually not in the context. Most people, it's interesting. It's not about the weather. It's about what the weather did in their situation, how it kind of, you know, either for just a few minutes or for some longer period of time kind of created upheaval for them. But it's fun to explore those cases. So reach out, send it to me. Like I said, we may discuss it a little further so that I can get the details and really dig into it. But we can explore it and both learn a little bit in the process, hopefully. All right, so communication. That was a big thing at the AMS meeting. And I mentioned to you some of the folks that I met from the other podcast. Castle Williams, who is a, if I'm going to get all this right, a Hulling Scholar. That's something that's done from the National Science Foundation. Had an interesting presentation, or a couple of them, on communication. And he had the opportunity to do an interesting internship this summer, spend some time with that. But between the survey that we did and one of his presentations he gave on consistency, I was kind of intrigued because you've heard me mention, you know, I'll bring up Weather Ready Nation, right? Like I said, I I didn't think I mentioned it as much, but there I go again. And in the winter thing, one of the things I mentioned last year and that they've rolled out this year and it kind of came up in that you know seasonal announcement is the new winter hazard simplification because you know the original context and structure were built around an age of different technologies and different needs fundamentally in terms of the recipients and who was getting those reports so they've tried to simplify it but one of Castle's kind of talks that he was giving was about consistency and this has been a big huge thing in the weather enterprise for a while and maybe you've heard about it I mean or maybe you've heard the you know the disagreements about it or maybe you haven't I don't know but the premise is that we all need to do a better job telling the same story right particularly when there's a dangerous situation at hand you know the potential for a tornado let's say or a tropical cyclone or whatever it might be and I found it intriguing the more I thought about it, and the more I thought about how, you know, listeners tend to listen to just one weather-themed podcast, and I realized that, you know, there's probably a reason for that that could also explain why maybe we're inconsistent, and that that's not all bad either. Because I know I make decisions different from even my wife 
right? We, we may look at the same two sources of information and come to a different decision. So I had an interesting exchange with Castle about how I think the challenge is, I guess what we want consistency on is that people act in those situations and that they act in a way that's not detrimental to others, you know, that they're focused on doing the right things for them and that other people around them can do the right things as well. But I realized that, you know, we all have different ways of getting there. So I'm not sure what the right answer was, but it was it was an interesting kind of side note. So kudos to, to Castle on on those good presentations. And again, I you know, whether it's touch a base with me on consistency in messaging or why you listen to one weather podcast versus the other. I've heard from some folks in advance about this topic before. So it, it kind of had that kind of prodding me thing. Before I got those survey results, I knew why, you know, person X may only listen to my podcast versus some others. But I still thought that was an anomaly versus more of the norm. So it's it's interesting to see how these things kind of come full circle. All right. It's probably time to wrap up, but I can't I can't completely get away before I, I touch back on Aaron's thing about frontal boundaries. Now, Aaron, the the, the tricky news is there's no good answer. I had some conversations with a few folks I know, and I'll continue to ask. I guess the short summary answer is, I don't think I was that far off, is maybe frontal boundaries just aren't as good in the storytelling process anymore. Not everybody actually knows what they are. That That's sad to me, but I guess it's a reality of the time in which we live. But I was sitting, having lunch, you know, at a, at a counter in, in Texas, and there was a guy with frontal boundaries showing right up on his stuff. Now, Texas is a big place. And I think it was good for him telling his story. But then he immediately went to kind of one of the things I brought up, which is more contoured colors and how the temperatures were going to change and that sort of thing. And he used a lot of satellite imagery as well. So I think it's more of a, of a personal preference and what the rating's like and how the story's being told. I don't think that there's a simple single answer, Aaron. But I will keep digging. When I see people, I will continue to ask them because you do get different answers every time. It's not been one of those things that there's one kind of universal aha moment. So whether it's that question or anything else, like I said, feel free to send them my way. Be glad to investigate them. Again, what is it about the weather at gmail.com or what is it about the weather.com slash contact? Back it up to the support piece. If you want to know, if you're new to this podcast and want to know how you can help us, was it what is it about the weather.com slash support? If you're interested in becoming a patron or supporter of the podcast, on the support page you can learn about it, but you can also go to patreon.com slash weather, or certainly you can just go to the support page because, like I said, there's also the PayPal option in there for people who prefer to do a one-time donation versus a subscription. But with that, as I try to get my head back in in a row here, I'm not going to go too long. Hopefully some of the things I've learned will work its way into the schedule. But I'm sure if you listen, to, if you do listen to one or, more, one or more of the podcast, or if you check out one of the ones I mentioned, you'll get kind of an earful of some of the things that uh, went down at the American Meteorological Society's annual meeting, AMS 2018. Heck, you could even go to Twitter if you're an active Twitter user, just look through that hashtag, and you probably learn a lot just in doing that. But, you know, sometimes it's not about the weather, right? It's about what the weather does for us or doesn't do for us, or how it makes our lives simpler or more chaotic all at the same time, or how it just weaves itself into something that we had no idea. Whatever case 
Whichever of these it is, it's all interesting. It's all new and an opportunity to learn and explore. And we'll be doing that again next week. But in the meantime, in the meantime, may your weather be interesting and enjoyable, but may it find itself making you think in a way you've never thought before. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. This is too much for production. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather.